<laughs> All right, y'all. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome hey, to guys. another episode of A Hard Knock Podcast, a platform where marginalized and aspiring entrepreneurs can be inspired by, learn from, and support other entrepreneurs who might just be a few steps ahead of them. Today, I have with me Hazel coming to join us. As y'all know, we're doing, we're, we're trying to bring people in but um, for, for this year. So we got our second guest here. And um, Hazel, welcome. Yeah. Hi, thank well, you for having me. Welcome on. to the show. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. I've been waiting for this microphone in my face for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I practically begged to be here. I was like, Ryan, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. We're going to have a conversation. And for some reason, I thought she was just like fucking with me. <laughs> and it was like, no, nah, like we're, so we really want to do it. <laughs> I was like plotting, plotting. My friend Terry was on, and as soon as I saw that episode, I was like, oh, I need to be on this, a hundred percent. And funny thing, right? Like, because I know this isn't even a part of the script, but it's like we were talking about it, and I was like, yeah. So, like, what do you even do? <laughs> Is that's like, that's how you know it's real though. That's like that's friendship to me. It's like you get you do the friend stuff and then the the business side comes out. And then I'm like, yo, she sent me like her deck, and I'm like, you're kind of badass. Like, whoa, how, how did I not know any of this? So how about you tell us a little bit about yeah, who I am, what who, I do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm Hazel. I am a co-founder. So there's two of us at INTD. INTD does mainly three things. Um, so it's research and insights, it's brand development, and it's spatial, inter um, spatial experience design. So what all of that means is we work with placemakers, so anyone who has a brick and mortar or interior space to invest you know, research and strategies to scale brand stories and to elevate human experiences, hopefully within spaces that look pretty damn good is kind of what we say. So, um, yeah, we do everything from airport lounges, restaurants, hotels, retail spaces. If basically if it exists in the built world, we kind of have our hand in the sandbox with it. So. And I think I saw you had like a few like major like cities that you work in, right? Yeah, so we're anywhere anywhere someone wants us to be. But most of our projects happen to be either Chicago, we've had a few in LA, we've had a few in Atlanta. Um, we have one that's gonna be in Montana. We're kind of all over the US now. Hopefully, eventually international is kind of our goal. We have a project in the pipeline in Canada, in Costa Rica, in Hawaii. Um, so kind of at least crossing a sea or two to get there would be awesome. Nice. So, yeah, like I was looking at the deck and I was like, whoa, like I've been to some of these places. So like y'all might have been in some of these places if you're in any of those cities. So, yeah, there's a lot in Chicago. There's some that are pretty noteworthy that we've had the opportunity to work on. Um, and it's cool because these are spaces that have shaped Chicago like life, you know, some of their staples. So it's really 
really cool, really good insights. Definitely. Well, let's get let's get right into the questions. So, you know, we, we got a we got a whole bunch of stuff. We'll see if we get all into it today. We were, yeah. we were collabing on this a little bit earlier. So could you share your journey into entrepreneurship and, and the creation of your design yeah. firm? Yeah. So I it I am passion led. It is something I, I always say I wish I could be satisfied with a nine to five. I think my life would probably still be stressful, but I would imagine it's a little less stressful, but I cannot help myself. It is dragging me into a place of entrepreneurship. Um, when I was younger, I decided I really liked interiors. I would make my own magazines from like ripping pages out of like L and, and architectural digest and stuff. And I'd make my own little magazine of the things that I liked um, with my mom. And I spent the summer with my grandma. We watched HGTV and I was like, this is it, this is what I wanna do. I'm gonna be a designer on HGTV. Cause I come from the you know back roads of Indiana. No one does what I do. Like there was no roadmap. No one was like, oh, she's an interior designer down you know, in Fort Wayne. No, they, no, I don't even know how those buildings get designed, frankly. <laughs> probably by people in cities. But um, so my first dream was like, <laughs> I'm gonna be on TV. <laughs> um, and then by the time I got to high school, I realized you can like just go to college, get a design degree and like be a designer. So I tried to find every avenue I could because you know that's what I wanted to do. And then um, I was like kind of stubborn, kind of like, bullheaded in my own opinions and and really thought about how I felt design had impact and like why I was so obsessed with it and the only way you can truly self-express that is if you own something so I knew pretty early on that I wanted to have my own studio at some point and every job I've held was with that goal in mind um and then I was in New York for uh New Year's Eve a few years ago and there was a guy who owned a restaurant or was going to open a restaurant and that I met like while I was out and I switched to work mode and I lied <laughs> about <laughs> most of the things, um, except for my skill and talent and passion. Um, and I like Haley and I, who is my business partner, um, had always talked about doing our own studio, you know, like when you're kind of complaining or like, if I were to own the studio, this is what I would do, you know, when you're having a frustrated day. So I got the opportunity, I took it, and I just called her and I was like, we need to register <laughs> for business because we have a job and we don't have a business. So yeah, yeah, and they were cool and it was the most, it was a great first project and stuff, but yeah, it was kind of like, I was just like, oh, we'll figure it out. And here we are. I mean, it's gone it, pretty well. <laughs> is it gonna be okay if this person sees this yeah. video? Is yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we became totally fast friends. Um, and you know, I think something really important to understand is every entrepreneur who's ever made it anywhere usually kind of starts out in a very similar place. So, you know, I've been on a phone with a client sick, and they're like, "We can postpone this," and I was like, "Guys, you know what it's like when you're not working on your business. There's." there's guilt and sometimes shame that's around it because yeah. who else is supposed to and there's a lot of responsibility with it. And so I just was like, if we don't do this today, I'm gonna be sick and I'm gonna just be stressing and like all of this, I can I can show up for a meeting on Zoom, it's fine. 
Um, and they respect that and they're totally okay with it. I've, the people who did our branding, I was straight up and I was like, we're new. I want to spend $1 and, and have the quality of a $2 type of thing. And every person who's ever started a business has that mentality. So you're kind of just talking to your peers because, you know, they run a business too. And, and, you know, I like to like the people I work with and that's a part of me is, you know, I like, I enjoy building businesses. So finding common ground in value and how you, how you show up every day, I think is, is good. Yeah. Definitely. Um, what were some of the initial challenges you faced and how'd you overcome them? I think that, um, challenges is, is really interesting. I, think they will always be there they kind of just kind of grow with you as you move into along on your on your journey they just kind of change here and there a little bit but I would think like initially it was obviously like what the hell do I do like how do I reach this goal there's no roadmap. my parents didn't go to college or anything so it was and I'm from a small town where people don't leave so it was you know like how do I get out where do I get out what you know like what college and and what degree and what program and all of these things. And then you're in college and then it's how do I gain experience? What type of experience do I want to have and who do I want to have that with? And then you have the experience. And then the question is, what do I do with it? And how do I, you know, uh, elevate it and just be a sponge and soak up as much as you can Um, and ultimately to what end and understanding when to leave and seek out a different experience and stuff. And then now we have a, we have a studio and the struggle is, you know, like keeping it alive and healthy and regenerative and not being consumed by it. Cause I think that's really unhealthy, letting it grow at the pace it wants to grow at. And just like the patience of all of it, because entrepreneurship takes a lot of patience as much as it takes discipline. So it's really doing something you've never done before that's completely scary that people fail at every day and and having to be self-motivated and confident enough to to show up every day to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, haunting <laughs> <laughs> and exciting, thrilling and <laughs> it's a roller I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually getting back to something that you mentioned before just kind of thinking about your journey, you said something about like having an opinion around like design was that something that was like was that that opinion did that start to formulate like in your college kind of yeah I yeah. have a I have a really strong opinion I think if you talk to most of my friends especially designer friends well anyone I give a TED talk to everyone so that opinion I'm a Gemini so that opinion has formed and changed a few times over just as I gain more experience and, and meet different creatives and, and different projects and stuff. But it started when it's, I mean, it really did start from the beginning because you have these people on HGTV that you look up to that are kind of teaching you design in a very like lukewarm, watered down version, sure. But like, it's, it's what sparks like, could I be passionate about that? Could I like that? Because there is someone kind of telling you what it could possibly be like. 
Um, it probably really formed, though, when I was doing commercial design and when I was really finding the niche that I like to be in and, like, evaluating every project from... I was very lucky that my skill stack that I have can get me through a lot of different types of projects. So I've done a lot of different types of spaces with different types of clients. And having that range of experience allows you to form a, a really sound opinion on things. I think yeah. if I was like pretty narrow and I've only done a couple of things, like if all I did was restaurants, the opinion of design, I think, it's, it would be niched down to specifically restaurants. Yeah. But I have one that's pretty broad approach for most yeah. interiors, I would say. And that really happened um, when I got a, a good range of experience under my belt. Yeah, that's really interesting because I'm just thinking, so I come from, you know, I think I told you before, like the UX design background, right? Mm -hmm. And I think about like I have, I've, I've you know, supervise like junior designers and stuff like that now and, and i'm like yeah these first few years are about foundations you know we want to get you talking to users we want to get you interacting mm -hmm. we want to get you ha dealing with all this stuff right and then as they're kind of growing it's like all right now now you know the basics now you know the foundations and now what do you think about this yeah. what do you think about this and start and that's when you start to have like the, those opinions yeah. start to form that makes your unique yeah. position. And there, I will say, like, having young people on your team. Like, I, when we first started, we were like, we are so young to be doing this. And it's, it is true to a degree. But um, having young people, like, in your circle is, they're just more in touch with, you know, the next generation, obviously. But they've probably immediately had that experience. And they've had that experience because of choices you've made. So it's a direct result of mm. your actions. And I think that innovation starts there. Like you need that. It's like a tight feedback loop. Yeah. It's really easy for us to, to criticize other other systems and processes and then put one out ourselves. But then we never ask for the feedback of our own, you know? So, yeah. and usually that's gonna come from someone who's younger, who's never done that that thing you're asking them to do and if in and, and then have like a kind of a no shame response on it which is awesome because then you're that. like oh I'm, I'm fucking this up or <laughs> I'm really messing this up I should <laughs> I should we gotta retry you know like we I used to do this thing um at a st past studio we did a round table don't it fell short because a lot of those things I I don't think got implemented and 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 that's okay. You know, you don't have to, you can run your company. Someone else shouldn't, and that shouldn't be their job. Yeah. But I've been in a company where, you know, either it didn't go anywhere, and that's really discouraging, or they expect you to build the system or process because there isn't one, and they think that that's autonomy, and that that keeps your job exciting, which is also incredibly frustrating. Yeah. I have the skill and and all of the you know chops to run my own studio the only way you can do that is if you have that and at that point why not a run your own studio but then my question was also how do you own your own studio and don't feel like that's your responsibility to 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 do 
Yeah. Or like that you want to do that. I'm I'm incredibly process oriented and system oriented. I really enjoy that part of it. Um and I can't help but not because I and I've told this to other people like I had a friend Terry today asked me like when do you start exporting or like, you know, delegating certain production tasks out and I'm like when I feel like it can lead someone into doing it or mentor someone into doing it and, and really feel like I can teach it from a system and process to a level of expectation to a how to criticize and critique it, how to, you know, lift it up, like how to be a good leader and a good mentor to someone, then I can delegate it. It doesn't really, I mean, it factors of like, do I have the time? Is this where, you know, my value is like, am I adding the most value? And I, I would argue that you are, but like, you know, if, if I don't have time, but I also don't understand what I'm trying to delegate. You got to at least understand it. Yeah. How can you expect someone to want to do that? Let it, you know, it's, you want them to have good career experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you want me to just build your dream for you? (laughs) No, but really. Right. Yeah. 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 I've had a couple experiences where I'm like, you make, you benefit the most off of what I'm doing and you don't ha- either have the ability to do it yourself or you don't want to, well then where is this studio actually going to go for me? It just really, I don't know, yeah. puts dead ends on, on certain things. Yeah. I talk about my sister a lot on this podcast and she's probably going to hate that I put her on blast like this, mm-hmm. but like she has all these ideas of dreams and things that mm-hmm. she wants to do. And I have like a crazy, like out of pocket dream and I'll just tell y'all, like, it's one of those ones I ask people, what's your, what's your dream that you have that you're, like, low-key embarrassed to tell people about? Mm. Mine is, like, I legit want an island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how amazing would that be? I want an island. I want to put a resort on this island. Oh. Yeah, right? It gets, it gets deep, right? <laughs> as soon as the resort hits, you're just like, I got questions. <laughs> you're like, dang. But, like, I'm like, yo. Yeah, so resort money, honey. <laughs> I don't have it now. But I'm like, all right. Well, I was like, well, I was like, okay, what kind of steps do I need to take? And yeah. I'm just on the phone talking to my sister about it. And she's like, because I was like, yeah, maybe one of the first things I'll probably need to do is, like, you know, maybe do, like, a small boutique hotel somewhere and test that out. And, you know? And yeah. she's like, yo, we have the same dream. You should do it here in Ohio. And I'm like, no. <laughs> She's like, well, it's the same thing. I was like, it's not the same thing. <laughs> one's an island and one's Ohio? Or? Well, like, wh- one is like a farm resort in Ohio, and the other one's like me creating a space for like people like us, like entrepreneurs, and where we can travel and yeah. have retreats and stuff. And like, and she's like, no, it's the same idea. I'm like, no, it's not. And I'm like, all right, here's the thing you just want me to build your business for you. Yeah, it's so, it's very interesting. I know, I know a guy who's actually building this very like, uh, you know, reconnect with your, the most human part of you as someone who is entrepreneurial or like incredibly driven and wants to do that in destination locations. And just because of the way money is moving right now, the road that he's taking to get to that place because he's a new brand and because it's international, all these things, he can't get money from like the big capital 
fund people, the yeah. financial part. Um, so he's having to go more like private equity, like privately funded, and he's having to go a little more domestic. So he's actually building a version, like taking the values of the things that they love and kind of putting that into something that's more domestic and like simpler. That's, you know, maybe, you know, like Ohio, he's in Canada, but like, that's like, so that, and then he's partnering up with gems and businesses and all these things yeah. to like bring who his target audience would be for when he's in Costa Rica, but bringing them here first because it's a little more accessible right. and then launching and being like, we can also take you to all these other destinations. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And people like go and do that. Yeah. I mean, that sounds a lot like what she wants to do. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Do it. But like you could potentially there is something there where you guys could use use each other as a stepping stone and like kind of branch off and build your own things, but start from the same place. But you have to be very much on the same page. I just things. don't want to be her more, crutch. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> I was gonna you say know? I think there's more into it that's like yeah. making it more complicated. But sometimes sometimes it is like that because I do think this mentality of build it and they will come that some people have around businesses and, and especially like ex spatial experiences it, that's not always true and that's yeah. really tricky line to kind of toe yeah like you you marketing's a thing everything's a thing <laughs> <laughs> it's an ecosystem and it's yeah yeah and Every you gotta piece. understand all the parts like you were saying right yeah. like at least to a certain extent yeah, at least I always say you don't have to have the, all the answers, but in our studio, you have to understand what's coming across your desk and understand how to analyze it. Yeah. You don't need to be able to produce it. You don't need to be able to like necessarily know if it's wrong or right, but like have a conversation around it because yeah. the person who does know, we just need to make sure we're engaging that person and and they have someone that can kind of guide them and, and fill the holes that they may not have. Um, build themselves so yeah collaboration everyone <laughs> it's key collaboration is key it takes a village yeah your network is your net worth that's we what they say we got we got phrases for days guys <laughs> yo we're gonna we're gonna turn them all into single instagram posts <laughs> <laughs> and that and then quote ourselves <laughs> like we made them up digital marketing <laughs> all right i know we're going like way off i'm oh, like sorry. we got a lot of these questions and i'm like dang we might just end up this might be a long episode no uh, i'm also noticing that i'm extremely loud compared to you as oh, I look at <laughs> tell me should i speak up i don't know oh no that looks good if it's too far if it's if it's oh, okay. too far different is it gonna sound weird when it's it's gonna normalize it okay yeah okay i think we'll figure it out <laughs> I have, a, I have a friend to send it to if we have any issues. We or Dan, I'm looking at you if you're listening. Again, collaboration. <laughs> um, all right, so we, we're talking about the journey. We, we're only to like the second section. It's so funny, right? I know. Um, all right, so you've worked with a few notable brands. Um, so like I saw you worked with brands like, like Capital One, Target. How did you land projects like those? Yeah, it's a, so the reason I landed Target, which was an INTD project um, in partnership with No Wall Studio and Tiny At, call them out, um, 
is because I've worked with Capital One and some other really big brands. And Capital One was done at a past studio. So it was before we were um, INTD. And so, so luckily I kind of gained experience through someone else kind of landing them. Um, but that experience and that relationship and and everything that kind of came along with it paired with or compounded with a few other experiences is the reason why Target could happen. Because when you work with a really big brand, first of all, it's quite intimidating. Um, and, and yes, you can kind of come from a, a lens of like, they're entrepreneurs too. No, they are not. They are the fifth biggest retailer. They're all <laughs> corporates. Yeah, like I, it's very hard to humanize a, a brand that, that is that big. Um, you kind of lose human scale in it, I think, or something. So it helps when you're doing the day-to-day -day stuff of like people that are on their team, you can have that lens. But to land them, you really have to understand um, what their main goals are and like understand how to talk through your beliefs and your process and your approach and how to alleviate their pain points and everything. Um, and that can be, some of that's project specific, but you work with enough big brands um, and you, it's really kind of just understanding business, I think, at, at the end of the day. And just business and capitalism in general kind of just has these pillars that they uphold. And if you can play into that and alleviate their biggest pain point or the problem they're trying to solve um, while also kind of sliding out the things that you care about as a designer and a human. Um, that's that's kind of like you nailed it because when they're big like that, they don't they don't spend their day thinking about, you know, in the bigger ecosystem of their brand, what what's falling short. You what they've done is they've kind of put all of these people in different positions, different director positions that manage teams, that manage teams, that manage people, that manage whatever. And if you don't have a really good foundation, all of those people will be following different North Stars and then and then, and then, then everyone's confused. Yeah. Not only consumer, but also the people within that brand. So I've worked enough with big brands that they are kind of all the same. <laughs> There are specific problems, but they're all kind of the same, and they care about really, kind of really the same stuff. So you just kind of take everything you've learned and are able to speak really well about it, and and make sure you can actually deliver it, yeah. and you'll you'll be okay. Um, luckily, I mean, just luckily, my first one came from the the benefit of someone else's work and ability to do that. And then I got to learn that way. Okay. So I got like two follow-ups for that one. One's already planned, but the first one, because um, you went to school for design, right? Interior architecture, yeah. So learning that business speak, learning what those kinds of things that they're looking for, how did you learn that? Um, experience. So I, my route is a little bit different I think than some designers I don't really know maybe someone will correct me but from what I found and the people I know so I went to school for interior architecture and which I have an opinion about but I 
I'll withhold. Maybe one day I'll get a Twitter and tweet it. But interior architecture is, is a little different from interior design, which is a little different from decorating, which is, you know. So I'm more technically trained. Like I, mm. I know more about building something. And then my school crit critiqued on a level of approach to what you were doing. So there's always an appreciation for maybe aesthetics and, there, and there's critiques that can come along with it. Do you have balance? Do you have contrast? Do you have all these things? Um, but what I find more helpful is understanding what you believe are the ingredients to make good designs that don't actually have anything to do with aesthetic. Um, and, and so I got, I got taught that way and, and then I went to construction and then I went to millworking, so furniture, then I went to residential. Um, so I got really intimate with people's like personal space and then I went to commercial and that leap is a little harder in residential to commercial spaces. Um, and then I happened to work at a studio that is really, really good. Um, I got there kind of, you know, I would say in their prime, they, I just had so much talent around me, so many things to learn from and so many people that are willing to get them. Um, and I am obsessed, so I work a lot. Uh, so I, you know, for a couple of years, I was pulling 80 hour weeks. And so what would take, if you work 40 hours, you know, what would take most people a year to experience, I was experiencing double that. I got to see double it because I was so willing and so interested and just kind of like as learning as much as I could. I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And I got to see a lot because I was willing to like kind of, I don't necessarily recommend it, but I did not have a life. <laughs> I was willing, I was just willing to do anything and everything. They just threw me on a project to do you know, detail drawings, sure, I'll do them, because I got experience with an architect, and and we did a pool deck, and I got to learn about code up there, and then I got to work under a designer that was had a really good vision, a really good taste, and, and figure out how her mind works and how she puts together, you know, design aesthetically. Um, yeah, so a little bit of compounded experience, but ultimately, I think that it, it just come from a willingness to be okay with not knowing everything yeah, and like willing to absorb everything good and bad. And, and then you'll, then, then you're set. That's really what you should try to do as young as you can. Just a ton of experience as much as you can get. So what I'm hearing is low ego and a hint of obsession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other question that I had, because um, you talked about how the the deal with Capital One actually helped um, get some of those bigger deals. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs looking to collaborate with, um, well, one, looking to collaborate with, with other groups and also collaborating with these larger organizations? Understand it's a double-edged sword. So... If you already know how to evaluate your clients, like people that you will bring on and won't bring on, amazing. That's something I'm still learning to this day. Every client kind of teaches me a new lesson. Um, and understand that they 
they're super noteworthy and that's really good. They're really good for like clickbait is like what I like to call them. Um, if you're looking to bring them on, it definitely helps having experience in alleviating the pain point they're also trying to alleviate and really kind of digging in on that. You definitely, like any business, you, you have to understand yourself, your brand, your mission, why you exist in the world, because that's how people ultimately make choice. They, mm. you know, look for emotional connection. They also, like, want you to stand for something that they also believe in. Bigger, bigger companies, the way that that works is you kind of just start with a conversation. If you can, if the only way you're brought into any of these rooms, you have to know someone. So, so it's really hard to break in without that. But if you've managed that, if you have someone that's has brought you in into the room, understand how to hold a conversation. That's all it is. Don't, I mean, you can sell to them, but you want to be sold to without realizing it. Yeah. That's called good conversation. Good storytelling is, is what that ultimately comes down to. And, and talking, letting the conversation kind of roll up into them solving their own problem of like, oh my, or, you know, even having the realization of, I need you, specifically yeah. you, your brain, the way you articulate, the way you see the world, because that mind is going to solve my problems. If they ever feel like it's their mind that's going to have to do it, they won't do it because how do entrepreneurs look at their time? They're going to be like, I talked to her. She didn't really, you, I mean, don't solve the whole problem, but she didn't yeah. really say anything that could start me believing that my problem is solved. And it puts so simply and it's so clear and it's easy and all of these things. Like have a conversation for an aimed emotional response to, and then like kind of a call to action of just like, Hey, cause usually they end with like, Hey, you know, we'll talk da, 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 and time kills all deals. So you gotta be on it. Yeah. I'm gonna talk it's, to you next the, week. <laughs> yeah. The bigger they are. So the smaller they are, everyone understands humans and, and it's a little more like friendly. The bigger they are is like, it's a little bit more like do what you say you're going to do at the time you say you're going to do it. And please don't make my job any harder. Like they're a lot more like hold your own. Yeah. The smaller they are, they're a little more forg They are way more forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hear that. They might not do that back for you. <laughs> I can guarantee it's going to be a lot harder. When they're bigger, but <laughs> you got to make their job easy. Yeah. They're going to make your job hard. <laughs> that's like the main thing is like, that's, I mean, that's really what it is though. Like getting back to your point about alleviating pain points, right? Yeah. And is it a big enough pain point that they're willing to drop some money for? And yeah. And, and the more conversations you can have like that, even if you win the project or not, they talk in a certain way and they will say things because um, a lot of the times they're not going to be able to like point it out exactly what's wrong, but they're going to say things that kind of lead you to, oh, the aha moment of like, well, have you thought about it like this? Have we considered this perspective? I wonder if, have you ever explored, have you like, give them something to chew on. You don't have to solve it, but like, 
seen and heard, guys. They want to feel seen and heard. Definitely. It's yeah. and it sounds like it's like a lot more question asking and listening than really talking, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you have, there's a designer I really like. She says you have two eyes, two ears, and one mouth. You should use them in that proportion. So we observe and we question and we, you know, interrogate a little bit. And then we speak because then we kind of understand more of what we're speaking about. Yeah. I was reading something. It was like, um, there was like a framework where it was like, you're asking a lot of questions, trying to understand like their desired outcome, right? Uh, yeah. What is it that they're trying to achieve? And then you're like, all right, so why, why don't you have that now? Like what's going on? Like, yeah. why don't you have that thing now? This and that you play that back. And then you're, um, listening for, um, what it would um or you or you start to get them to envision what it would like be like to have all those pain points or things mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. and then the last step is you're like yeah, yeah. i could do that <laughs> yeah or at least i can paint you the roadmap to yeah. the steps you need to take to solve that and that's where like here are my services here's what i can do here are the people i know for the things i can't do um a lot of people are like they are looking to network and they are usually looking to just have a guy you know the question of like hey do you know someone that can da, da, da. everyone wants to wants a guy yeah. they're usually like looking for a connection like that of like they the next time they have the same problem because they are in the development world or whatever they have a go to everyone yeah. kind of it makes it easy it's everybody wants to be the plug box checked yeah exactly <laughs> exactly because sometimes your job is to really like in those conversations is almost you having to take them back steps because they think they know how to solve it they've gotten bad advice they've worked with mm. other creatives who have given them bad advice and so they think they're in a certain position that they're really not in and so talking them out of the position they already in out of the problems or back into the problems they thought they solved is also in the mix because take Target. Target's been around for a very long time. They don't come with a clean clean slate at all. There are certain things that as a brand, fundamentally they cannot change. But is that with the times and all of these things? It's, it's It's very hard, but as soon as you can master the art of conversation you're on a very good, you're in a good position to win bigger brands and bigger projects, in my opinion. Someone will probably yell at me in the comments. It's okay. <laughs> As I always say, we're not telling anybody what to do. We're yeah. just speaking from our own experiences. Yeah, guys. Don't <laughs> at me. I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned that, um, well, Actually, I don't know how I put that in here that you mentioned this before. That's funny. Oh, what? <laughs> you probably did mention this. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. that entrepreneurship doesn't have to be as hard as you think, as some think. <laughs> I think this is the one that's going to get me so many ads. I would like to preface doing anything. This is, you probably think I've said this because we talked about you it. You mentioned it to me. Yeah. On the phone. Yeah, yeah we were talking we about this. About yes. So <laughs> I would just like to say entrepreneurship or any ambitious thing you want to do in your life, whether that is like have a family, et cetera, a hobby, anything. If you are trying to rise out of the position you are currently in into a new one, if you're trying to grow, that's hard. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's easy, 
I'm saying that when you are driven, if you get lucky enough to start a business that you are passionate about, that is you are, when you are doing something that is driven by passion, deciding to, to run a business is easy. It's, it's no brainer. I've, it's like, I don't even feel like I made that choice. It's just, it was chosen for you. Yeah. It's very, it's a hard thing to articulate. I do my best, but it's, it's a hard thing to, to understand that part is easy. Cause you, you do feel like you don't have a choice running the business hard is also subjective. So what I think is hard, I don't think other people will and et cetera. When you, and when you're passionate, that means you care a lot about it and you will do what it takes to make sure that that has the best chance. It's, it is a child that you feel a responsibility over. And in, I think when you love something that much, it becomes easy because you feel like your choice is to do right by that mm. and do it well and do it right and like show up and all of those things to make it great feel like very easy things to do because that's that's your like ultimate dream you know yeah. it's like if you knew to get an island it took you to do all of these things and it's it's something that you just wake up and inherently are driven by it that just it's just as easy because you don't have to like force anything now people fail at business every day and no one no one's goal is to fail so it's still like there's it is hard um but i find it easier when there's passion like true blindly obsessed passion it's like each crossroad that you're at, you kind of, you can ask yourself, is this going to take me closer to my goal or away from it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I always say like short-term sacrifices for long-term goal is, is that's the way to move. You want to, you were here for something regenerative for a long time to like, you know, change, change everything. We don't want a viral moment, really. We want to. Want longevity. Yeah, we want to stay for yeah. a long time. And this is kind of related to the next one, but I think we kind of talked about this on the phone a little bit. Something that you hear a lot lately is, "Oh, I'm multi-passionate." And I think, in that sense, when you talk about having something that you're really passionate about, it's really easy if you're if you're saying like, "I'm passionate about this one thing." And you're, and now your question, like I said, is like, does this thing bring me closer or further away from that one thing? But if you're multi-passionate. Yeah. Right. So well, usually when you're starting a business, you're not as broad. So when they say niche down, kind of niche down, camera has a thing on it. Hey, y'all. So sorry for the interruption. So we were running into a handful of technical difficulties, but you know me, I like to keep it raw. I just like to keep it going. So we did keep the conversation going on for a minute. We, uh, I ended up taking this episode and cutting it into two parts. So this is the end of part one. And then if you want to continue to listen for more, check in next week for the next part. Um, that part's going to be audio only, but still available everywhere. So see you there.